Hey, if you're here for the first time, we have a gift for you, okay? You'll go out to our Welcome Center right after you uh, leave this service. Go out those doors, turn left, and you'll see our Welcome Center. And we have this mug that we want to put in your hands. got our logo on it. Just a small token uh, from us to you to say thank you for checking us out here at New Life Patterson. And also, if you are here for the first time or if you're watching online first time uh, for the first time and you don't have a home church, then we want to say to you, Welcome home. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here today. We are wrapping up what's been a very intriguing series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And we've been taking some deep dives into some phrases and belief systems that are commonly used in our everyday language that we believe are in the Bible. But as we've been seeing throughout this series, that the Bible doesn't say some of these things. Remember, this series has been about God extending an invitation to us into his grace, but also into his truth. Now, it's really important for us to know God's heart and God's intent around his inspired words to us. Because if we're not careful, we can allow our own ideologies, our own belief systems, our own philosophical worldviews, and our own opinions to kind of cloud or taint what God's word really says. We see it all the time with some of the common phrases that we've been looking at over the last several weeks. And I'm not going to go through all those, but if you missed any of the, uh, any of the last uh, five weeks, I encourage you, go, go onto our YouTube channel, uh, go onto our website and catch up with some of the things that you might have missed because this has been a great series. So for this last week, we're going to tackle another hard one. And also a very frequently used one. A few weeks ago, we said that the phrase, everything happens for a reason, could be the most sensitive of all the weeks. But I believe that we saved the best for last in regards to its popularity. And it's the phrase, God won't give me more than I can handle. God won't give me more than I can handle. How many of you have ever said this? Or you've at least thought this sometime in your life. I know I've said this plenty of time, and I've actually told and said this to, to others. They're going through a hard time in their life, and I've said, hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle. I remember when I first moved here. So I moved here in March of 2017. And so we came out uh, for an interview in January, and then we went home. We prayed about it, and then we came back out again. And we had a long talk with uh, Pastor Dave and Pastor Brett, and we accepted the position. And so I stayed here for the first uh, five weeks by myself while Janet and the kids went back to Wisconsin to kind of get the house ready. She, had, she was pulling the kids out of school. So I was staying here trying to get the new DNA of the church in me and kind of learn my surroundings, learn Patterson, uh, find a place to rent, which was extremely hectic. I mean, you can't find a place now. I mean, even, even years ago, there was no place to, to rent around here. And I was living with the guy in Turlock that attended the Turlock campus. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. So it was, it was extremely stressful. The night that Janet flew back to get the house ready and to kind of get her, she's a nurse and she was trying to get, she had a couple of more tests that she had to take and she was trying to transfer her license from Wisconsin to California, which was, again, another nightmare. And one of the things that they said, is they said, you know, to speed the process up, instead of you calling, maybe your husband can drive up to Sacramento frequently and have a conversation with them. So instead of you on the phone, he can be there in person to say, hey, why is this taking so long? So I did that. About four or five times, I drove up to Sacramento to stand there to be berated by, why isn't your wife here? Well, because she's in Wisconsin. 
And you guys said, if I can. So it was this big, crazy mess. And the day that she flew back, when I stayed here, Wisconsin got a foot of snow. So not only is she dealing with all this snow, she's trying to get the house ready, she's showing the house, she's taking tests. It was extremely hectic for all of us. And I remember praying, God, this is too much. All right, this is a lot. I can't handle this. I'm moving here to build your your kingdom. I'm moving here because you opened this door of opportunity to plan a campus for new life in Patterson and, and to begin this next ministry chapter of my life. This isn't fair. This is really hard. My wife and kids are 1,800 miles away. This is really stressful for my entire family right now. Just in case, God, you're not paying attention. Just in case you don't know what's going on down here, this is really a lot. And then I remember even saying this, but God, I know you won't give me more than I can handle. So obviously, if it's happening, you're trusting that I can handle it. And I look back at that time, and I look back at some of the other times that I've actually said that in my life, and now I, can, now I actually see God going, I never said that. <laughs> where did I say that, Jeremy? Where, where did I say that I would never give you more than you can handle? Why do we think this? Where did this come from? Well, I believe, I think some, sometimes we want to think this because perhaps it gives us a little peace that it could be worse although we don't want it to get worse, but if I declare it out loud, okay, God, this is as much as I can handle, maybe the intensity of my circumstance won't gain any strength. That God knows that this is as much as I can handle. So surely this is my limit. The current situation and what I'm looking at, this is my limit. Well, here's a fact. Everyone in this room, has either come out of a very difficult situation of your life or you're in the middle of a difficult situation of your life or you're going to enter a difficult situation of your life. Woohoo! <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. That's so inspiring. Thank you for that encouraging message for today. And trust me, as an eternal optimist who drives my wife nuts because I refuse to look at anything negative, that's hard for me to say. But this is life. Life is unfair. And like we say around here a lot, we live in a broken and sinful world. Tough times, as we know, are a reality. Whether it's in your own personal life or in the life of someone that we love, issues and circumstances and events can spiral out of control very quickly. And it's in those moments that we're convinced this is more than I can handle. Some of you came here today carrying an enormous amount of weight. And you honestly believe that it's too much, it's too heavy. I can't do this anymore. It's more than I can handle. I'm at the end of my rope. And just when you think that it's too much to handle, something else happens. Something else gets added to the weight of what you're currently going through. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like this? Just one thing after another. I mean, you're living paycheck to paycheck and the medical report came back not good. And you find out that one or both of your parents aren't doing well. And your job might be replaced because now AI can do what you can do. And you got a call from your kid's school about their behavior. And your depression and your anxiety are back with a vengeance. We all have real issues, don't we? And then some 
well-intentioned follower of Jesus. They show up at just the right time, and they, sh- and they say, chin up, buttercup. God won't give you more than you can handle. If it's coming your way, then God says it's okay. <laughs> I've heard that one. <laughs> I've heard that one, too. Sometimes I think about just growing my hair out on the sides because that's the only, that's, that's all I can grow out. Just so I can pull it out because of some things that Christians say sometimes. God won't give me more than I can handle? Well, how much, how much can I actually handle? Can I tell you something? You can't handle anything by yourself. You can't. I don't care how light it is. If you hold it long enough by yourself, eventually it's going to get too heavy for you. And I'll show you what I mean about that later on. But for now, let's take a deeper dive into this phrase, God won't give me more than I can handle, and how that phrase is not true. So where do we go wrong with this phrase? Well, we're fairly certain that it's kind of a twisted view of an incredible topic that the Apostle Paul addressed in the city of Corinth in one of his first letters to the Corinthian church there when he's dealing with temptation. We find it in chapter 10, and at the very beginning, let me set it up for you just a little bit. Paul is warning his readers not to fall into the same temptations that the nation of Israel did when they came uh, out of slavery from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, and they fell into temptation by worshiping other idols, by complaining against God, by falling into sexual immorality, all sorts of temptations that the nation of Israel fell into. And Paul is warning his readers not to fall into these same temptations. And he says, God will help you if you allow him. And then we pick up in verse 12 of chapter 10. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Do you see what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that God will not give you more in life than you can handle. It says that God will never allow your temptation to be more than you can handle. Paul's clearly talking about the temptations we endure, not life in general. But somehow we've twisted the scripture to believe that God will not allow me to go through more than I can handle. But all throughout Scripture, we see lots of people who went through more than they can handle. There's a a warrior named Gideon uh, back in, in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. And God calls him to go fight a battle. And there's lots of different things that happens in this scenario. And Gideon looks and says, why are you choosing me? I'm the smallest of all my clan. I have tons of insecurities. I'm not your guy. This is more than I can handle. Moses begged God not to send him to rescue God's people from Egypt. He said, I, I stutter. I, can't, I don't speak well. I have history with them. They know me. This is, more, this is too much for me, God. I can't do this. Jeremiah, the great prophet Jeremiah, wrestled with loneliness and feelings of defeat and insecurity. Job, if you've never read through the book of Job, Job is one of those books that you can read in the Old Testament and say, my life's pretty good. But he suffered through horrific loss and devastation and physical illness. King David wrote psalm after psalm after psalm about his mental and emotional and spiritual unsteadiness. Listen to what he wrote. What, this, this is a part of his life where his sin catches up with him. And he says this in Psalm 38. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans 
come from an anguished heart. Who writes like that? Even Jesus himself. Remember, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And the fully man side of Jesus endured more than he can handle. Look what it says in Mark 14. Talking about Jesus, he became deeply troubled and distressed. And then Jesus told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. God never said that he wouldn't give us more than we can handle. You think, well, if he's an all-loving God, then why? Why do I have to go through this? Why, why would God allow me to take on more than I can handle? Why would he allow me to go through things or allow things to happen to me that's beyond what I can carry, that's beyond what I can sustain? Well, I believe there are a few reasons for that. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down for number one. They're on the back of your program as well. God will, God will allow more than I can handle for number one so that I will depend on his presence. So that I will depend on his presence. How many of you know that it is, it's not that hard to depend on God when things are good? There are actually people who think like this. They think, hey, hey look at my life. I don't really need God. Kids are good. Marriage is good. Career is good. Bills are paid. Cars are running good. Boss is off my back. Vacation's coming up. Weather's cooling down. Health is good. Everything's fine. So there's no urgent need in my life for God right now, Jeremy. Why do I need God? And like I always say, people don't think they need God until they need God. I remember when I was a little kid, um, I always idolized my grandfather, who I lost uh, way, too, way too soon in my life. And I remember when I was a little kid, he, he fought in World War II. And I remember asking him one, day, one time, I said, hey, how many other uh, men in your platoon when you were in World War II were Christians? And I never will forget his answer. His answer still is with me. It's, it was so amazing. He said, son, he always called me son instead of grandson. Son, when you're in a foxhole and you can physically hear bullets going by your head, everybody's a Christian. <laughs> it's a great answer. When things in your life are great and you're on a mountaintop, it's easy to forget about God. But when it hits the fan, and you know what that it can be, who are you going to depend on? When things start getting out of control, oh, how quickly our prayers go from I'm good, God, to God, where are you? I need you, God. How can you let this happen to me, God? Don't you see what's going on here, God? I can't handle this. And it's ironic how quickly we run to God when our lives begin to spiral, but how quickly we turn away from God when things are going good. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, Janet worked with a nurse. And so Janet, you know, she doesn't go in and say, hi, I'm a nurse and I'm also a pastor's wife. You know, that's not her MO. But Normally in conversation, they'll say, oh, what did your husband do or whatever? Oh, my husband's a pastor. Oh, you're a pastor's wife. And so I remember she was telling me about this nurse that, that she had worked with for a few months before she found out that she was a pastor's wife. And so this nurse, like, put up an immediate guard, an immediate wall. She's like, oh, stay away from me. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in that. I'm this. I'm this. You know, she was giving herself all these labels. And Janet's like, hey, that's totally fine, you know, until her life spun out of control until chaos hit her family. The first person that she contacted when everything hit the fan was Janet. And she said, will you and your husband be praying for my husband and I because of some things we're going through? 
So one of the reasons why God does allow us to go through more than we can handle is to depend on him, to depend on his presence, to draw us close to him. Because without him, your life is more than you can handle. Whatever you're going through today that's heavy or troublesome or painful or scary or lonely and you feel like it's way too much to handle, it's because God didn't design you to carry it by yourself. He didn't create you to go through life without him. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to depend on his presence. Let me just say it this way. Never let the presence of your storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. No matter what you're going through, even if it feels like right now in this moment that it's too much to handle, never let the presence of your storm cause you to doubt the presence of your God. Now, why do I say that? Because in our small human understanding of God, it's easy to think that he's not with us when we're in the middle of our storm or that he's unaware of what we're going through or that he's forgotten about you or that he's abandoned you. Listen, all of those are lies from our enemy, Satan. When you serve and obey God and live a life that's holy and pleasing to him, God will never abandon you or forsake you. Your friends might, your family might, but Jesus never will. He will be with you no matter what. He wants you close. He wants you near his presence. And he wants us to remember him when we're in trouble. I want to read something that the Apostle Paul wrote. It was a time in his life when he was under an enormous amount of scrutiny, an enormous amount of trouble. He wrote this in his second letter to the Corinthian church. We pick it up in, in, in chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought that we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And one of the, one of the greatest distresses of Paul's life, a time when he literally expected to die, what does he say? We stopped relying on ourselves and relied only on God. I stopped relying on me and started relying only on God. Campus family, listen to me. In the greatest distresses of your own life, when it feels as if everything is slipping away and you can't even see straight because of all the emotional winds and the mental waves and the relational thunder and lightning, stop relying on you and rely only on Jesus. Depend on him. Depend on his closeness. Depend on his presence. Psalm 145 says this. The Lord is close to all who call on him, yes, to all who call on him in truth. Listen to what the half-brother of Jesus, James, says in chapter 4. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So, yes, God allows us to go through more than we can handle so that we will depend on him, so that we will depend on his presence and to draw us closer to him, to remember that he is our God, that he is our Savior, that he is our rescuer, that he is our deliverer. And for us to realize that our life is indeed more than we can handle without him. 
Write this down for number two. I know the reason God will allow more than we can handle is so that I will trust him in the process. I will trust him in the process. John chapter 3, this is John the Baptist talking. He, talking about Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. I can tell you that at age 51, I can look back on my life, and I can see some of the things that I've gone through, and I'm convinced that some of those things, even though they didn't happen for a reason, like we talked about a few weeks ago, certainly drew me closer to God and closer to his presence. Because right in the middle of some of my circumstances, I realized that it was more than I could handle. So when I found myself on my knees and crying out to God for help and for mercy, and yes, for sometimes for forgiveness, I also found myself in the arms in the presence of Jesus. As if he were saying, hey, I've got you, Jeremy. This is more than you can handle. You can't handle this alone. I need you to trust in me, and I need you to trust my process. Because I know a lot of people, they talk about and they brag about their mountaintop experiences with God, but for me, it's my valleys. I don't know about you, but personally, when I'm on the mountaintop, I get distracted. I'm distracted by the beauty. I'm distracted by the success. I'm distracted by the feelings and the emotions of being in the moment. But in the valley, and I don't want those valleys to come, but in the valley, I know it's just me and God. And to be honest, I think that's exactly how he wants it for me because it's in those valleys that he has my full attention. And I'm telling you, in some of the valleys I've been in, he has it. And I'd rather be in the valley with Jesus than on the mountaintop without him. The final reason that God will allow us more than we can handle is so that I will experience his power. I will experience his power. Hey, uh, come on up here, Brandon. I got a little sermon illustration I'm going to do with this guy. He looks like a pretty strong guy. This is only 25 pounds, all right? Only 25? It's only 25 pounds, I promise, all right? There's no joke about it, all right? Hold it right here, right up next to you. Got it? Got it. You don't need me? I'm good. How long, how long can you hold it? We'll find out. You good? All right. Just let me know if you need me, all right? Now, I'll bet that he can't hold that very long. The reason why he's going to lose this bet is because he doesn't know all the parameters yet of this illustration, all right? So he may be good now. He may be able to say, I'm comfortable now. I've got this. I don't need your help. He may be good now, but I promise you he's going to need me in just a few minutes. He's going to fight. He's going to strain. He's going to spit. He's going to shake. And the reason why he's going to wait longer than he should is because of his pride. Right? You guys know where I'm going with this. All right, I'll take it. Have a seat. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there. Stay close. Eventually, that weight's going to be more than he can handle. Eventually, he's going to need me to help him. Eventually, he's going to realize, okay, I'm in over my head, and I'm going to need more than just my power to keep this up. The Apostle Paul went through something similar. He called it his thorn in the side. Whatever this thing was, it literally plagued him for years. Okay, scholars have debated, we've guessed for centuries what it could have been, but whatever it was, Paul begged and pleaded God three distinct times, okay, which we know, according to Scripture, is actually three different seasons to say, God, I'm begging you, please take this away from me. And as I'm processing through this, I thought, man, 
We all have our own thorns, don't we? We all have something that we begged God, that we pleaded with God, take this away from me. I can't handle it anymore. I'm begging you. God, I can't deal with the, the, with the relational dysfunction in my family anymore. I can't deal with these medical bills. I can't deal watching my sick family members suffer. I can't deal with this broken marriage or these, these troubled kids or this addiction. I can't handle it anymore. It's too much, God. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to fix this one thing in my life. And then we walk away. We know that he can do it. We believe he can do it. But he doesn't. And it crashes. And now we're angry. And now we're frustrated. And now we're confused. And we're like, seriously, God? You couldn't fix this one thing in my life? My one big ask? Listen to what the Apostle Paul said that God said to him when he was saying the same thing 2,000 years ago. Listen to what God said to him three different times, 2 Corinthians. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said to me, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. <laughs> and then watch how the Apostle Paul responds. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and I take pleasure in the insults and I take pleasure in the hardships and in the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul is saying what each one of us should be saying, that when I am weak, I can't do it on my own. I have to depend upon a power that goes beyond my power. I have to declare and admit that I can't do it on my own, that I can't do it on my own strength and my own power. I need God. God, this is too much for me to handle. I need your presence, and I need your power. I need your presence and power to be a God-honoring spouse. I need your presence and power to live a life that pleases you. I need your presence and your power to raise my kids in a God-honoring way. I need your presence and power to drive out fear and worry from my life. I need your presence and power to stand for truth in a culture that doesn't believe in truth. It's too much for me to handle. In my weakness, I need your presence. I can't do it on my own. I need your power. Because without Jesus... We know this. Without Jesus, even the lightest of burdens are too heavy. They may be light in the beginning, but eventually they become more than we can handle because we're not depending on God's presence or power in the process. All right, come back up here. Hold it just like you were. Yep, just up, up against you. He can go for a little while like that. Now go to one hand. There you go. He can go not as long like that. Are you still good? Did you hear what he said? So far. You don't need me yet? Not yet. How many times do we say this to God? When he's right beside us the whole time, are you good? So far. You need me yet? Not yet. Now watch this. Hold it all the way out. You let me know when you need me. 
we could probably count down. Keep on going up. There you go. A good boy. You just let me know when, you, when it starts. Look, I'm shaking, straining, spitting. His pride, man. It's his pride. You just let me know. I'm right here. Okay. Still good. That's good. Thanks, man. That's exactly what we do with God. I got a God. I'm good. Not yet. I'll let you know when. What would happen? Because all he had to do, from the time I gave it to him, he could have said, whoa, 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 don't go too far. Because eventually this is going to be too much. So don't go too far. Even if you're just close, just your presence of being close will give me a little more confidence to know that, you, that, you're, that you're willing to help me right when I ask you. Why do we wait so long to ask God to carry our burdens? Why do we wait so long before we're literally about to drop it? Because it is too much for us to handle. In the beginning, it's light. But very quickly, it becomes overwhelming for us. Man, what if we had the same mentality in the relationship with Jesus to say, I can't do life alone, Jesus. It's too much for me to handle. Even the little things lately have been overwhelming. The anxiety that I've been going through, the, 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 just this, the, the conflict that I've been wrestling with, it's too much for me to handle. I just need to know that you're close, Jesus. I need to know that I'm not alone. I need your presence. I need your process, and I need your power. Here's my, here's my challenge for all of us this week, all right? I want you, everyone to listen up. Name your weight. Give it a name. Whatever it is that you've been carrying around, that you've been trying to do by yourself, it's too much for you. Call on Jesus to help you, whatever you want to name it, addiction, career, kids, marriage, cancer, depression, bitterness, unforgiveness, family conflict, hurt, anger, whatever you want to call it, name it. And then physically hand it over to God and say, I can't do it on my own. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that you can admit is more than you can handle? Because it may be light for a while, but eventually it's going to be more than you can handle. Stop relying on yourself and start relying only on God. Hold that thing out and say, I can't hold this on my own. It's too heavy. It's more than I can handle. I need your presence. I need your process. And I need your power. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you have never left us. Thank you that you have never abandoned us, Lord, that you have always been right there. But, Lord, because of our pride, we hold on to things too long, and then we say it's more than I can handle. But the, the entire time you're standing right beside us saying, I can help. You should have never picked this up and tried to carry it on your own to the point where you're about to drop it. Lean on me not on your own understanding. Lean on me. Jesus, I know that everyone in, his, everyone in this room has a weight. 
has at least one weight that we can name, that we can surrender to you, that we can hold out to you and say, will you help me? It's too heavy. And Lord, we know that you are faithful, that all we have to do is call upon you and you will be right there. Whether it's forgiveness of sin, break addictions, restore relationships, whatever it is, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being there for us, Lord. You're such a good God. And we are your children. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read this last scripture. Matthew 11, I love the message translation of this. It says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Just want to say thank you so much for being here today. Hope, you, hope this was a great series for you. If you missed any of the messages during the series, like I said, you can catch up with those on our YouTube channel or on our website. Uh, don't forget some of the announcements that we made earlier. Don't forget our block parties tonight. Please, please, please come. Bring as many people as you can with you, neighbors, friends, family, coworkers. Just drive by, pick up people. Don't even tell them where you're going. Just say, trust me, come with me. And, uh, and let's have a great time tonight, okay? Hey, God bless you. If you're here for the first time, don't forget to get one of our uh, mugs before you leave. Uh, just walk up to the Welcome Center and say, hey, it's my first time here. We'll put that in your hand and say thank you for checking this out. And we are praying for you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you back here next Sunday for a new series.